Welcome again, friends, uh, and thank you for joining us. Thank you on my behalf, and thank you on Lou's behalf. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's good to have everybody here. Yeah, Lou was just telling me that, um, Lou, you want to tell them what you just told me about 44 countries? and. Oh, so yeah. On? We've been doing uh, very well with the uh, listens on the podcasts only. And by the way, if you're here on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, almost any podcast outlet, uh, we've been doing uh, several hundred views a week, so uh, several hundred listens a week. That's great. Uh, mostly the U.S. and India, but 44 countries in total, which is pretty exciting, pretty evenly split between men and women, pretty evenly split among age groups. So we've got a nice audience here, and we're happy for them. Yeah. And- Personally, you know, the more I, we, all of us, we're all students here, we, if we can spread this, it is better for the world. The world will be a much better place. So yeah. other yeah, help, that, us out, help us out, tell your friends. If you want to communicate with us, which we always love, you need to go to the Facebook page, Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist. If you're listening on the audio podcast, go to the Facebook page. And you can also always send us a note that way on one of the episodes or a direct message. So today we're going to be finishing with the 20 qualities of a nyani, of a wise person. And uh, these are the last four, 17, 18, 19, and 20. And 17 says resorting to solitary places or resorting to a solitary place. Now, that doesn't mean that you move away and go to the Himalayas, that you have to do that. But essentially it means that if, just if, you are in a solitary place, you don't feel the need for anything else, neither object nor people. So let me also include in here 18. So that makes it a little simpler for us rather than confuse the issue. The 18 is distaste for crowds of people. So let me lump them together. Essentially, you would think, well, it means the same thing, right? Resorting to a solitary place means you have a distaste for crowds of people. Right. Not necessarily, because we have a body and we have a mind and we have an intellect. And the solitary place refers to our body or our mind wanting objects. We can be alone in a place and not feel that we have need for anything else. And the crowds of people refers to our desire for companionship uh, or people. So... If you look at the animal kingdom, a, a, an animal that is pretty secure in itself is essentially alone, right? An eagle soars above by itself. It doesn't go in a herd. But animals that are sort of more timid tend to cluster together in herds. So sheep cluster together. Um, the birds of, who are not like eagles uh, cluster together. Whereas an eagle, a lion, they are by themselves. They're solitary. They don't need anybody else. And maybe the analogy, if you press it too much, will fall apart. Yeah. So um, just take it at the surface. And remember that those who are self-sufficient for their own happiness, they don't need any place, they don't need any objects, and they don't need any people. Those people who are self-sufficient for their happiness, such as a self-realized person, doesn't feel, those people do not feel the need for others' company to keep them happy. So to the extent that you're self-sufficient, to that extent you don't need others. 
So you don't have to be 100% self-sufficient. Let's say you're 50% self-sufficient. You don't need the company of others to that 50%. Yeah, it's uh, not about avoiding it. It's about being okay, being uh, not seeking self uh, objects and not seeking uh, just response from other people. Right. So you don't need the crowds. You you could be working in a company and they say, come on over, we're having a company party. Whereas before you became more spiritual, you might have just said, okay, today I want to go to another party, another party, another party. Whereas when you become more spiritual, those the attraction of parties becomes less to you. And you may go in that crowded people where others are doing certain things that in the past you might have found attractive. But now you go and you say, I don't find this attractive, but it's something that I need to go for. So you don't need those parties anymore. Right. Same thing with crowds. If you have a distaste for loudness, uh, uncultured behavior, unruly, disturbed behavior, discourteous attitudes, we should avoid them. If you cannot avoid them physically, at least even if you have to go there physically, mentally and emotionally, you can push them away. You should not get involved. Doesn't mean all people, crowds of people. So for instance, even if you're in the Himalayas and once in a while you come down to the village, and there's a satsang of people, like-minded sadhus, like-minded holy people who have come down from the mountains to the village, everybody sitting together. That satsang is good because it's like-minded people. So it's similar to uh, 17, verse 17, where you're looking for a solitary place when you say uh, dislike of crowds of people, but slightly different. So the two types of requirements are objects, or where you don't need people, but you need things. And people, where you have to detach both physically as well as uh, mentally and emotionally. The next one, which is number 19, is constancy in self-knowledge. Constancy in self-knowledge refers to the fact that we need to be absolutely continuously focused on this knowledge of ourself that we're looking for in order to get there. You can't just be doing this one Sunday a week and then the rest of the week you do something else. It's like going to the gym. You go to the gym, you leave the gym, you have to watch what you eat. You can't eat a, a gallon full of ice cream and splurge on different things. Um, and you have to go regularly to the gym and you have to be consistent with your exercise. So that constancy, whether you're a world-class athlete, or a medical person, you have to keep on top of your sport or your career. You have to keep constantly looking to see what new developments are there. What do you learn about? If that's your interest, whatever your interest is, you have to keep focusing on it. To be successful in any endeavor, in any field, you have to show constancy and consistency. There's a lot of knowledge in this world, external knowledge, physics, chemistry, mathematics, um, astronomy, astrology, you can get all of that. But really the knowledge that we're talking about here is the self-knowledge. Understand it with the help of the scriptures as you're doing right now. And constantly think about it, abide by it, use it as a pointer, as a roadmap for you to get where you're going to. So just keep that in mind. And that's number 19. Number 20, verse number 20 is the perceptions of the end 
of true knowledge. So all of this is considered to be knowledge. So regular knowledge of the world, maps, where this country lies, the population of that country, physics, mathematics, this is all worldly knowledge. Then there's a higher knowledge, which is spiritual knowledge. That is what this knowledge is that they're talking about. So the perception of the end of true knowledge. So when you get that knowledge of the true knowledge, which is spiritual knowledge, higher level, the end of that knowledge is when you become self-realized. When you realize the self, you have come to the end of that knowledge path. And that guru that takes you there to that end of that knowledge is known as the Sadguru, S-A-D-H, Sadguru. And that knowledge of that ultimate goal is going to make you free of the bondage. You're bound right now to the world and to the pleasures of the world. But we should know a lot about our ultimate goal. The more you know about it, the more enthralled you will become by that uh, knowledge. You will want to get more of it. Worldly goals are knowable. You can comprehend them. You can say, I need to get through this and get my degree in medicine. You comprehend it. But what is moksha, complete liberation? What is sthita pragna, one of steady wisdom? You must know the goal and the path. And so if you do that and you constantly think about it, then you have become a jnani, a sthita pragna, a wise man, and you have reached the end of your goal. So friends, these 20 qualities that we have just finished are at, it's like a pearl in this Gita, the pearl. These 20 qualities are like 20 diamonds, 20 pearls. You can actually look at the 35 qualities of a bhakta or the 20 qualities of a jnani and get the gist of what the Gita is all about. I'm not by any means suggesting that that's all there is because there's so much more in the Gita. But if you want to say, listen, just tell me two things that I need to read, I would recommend reading the 35 qualities of a bhakta and the 20 qualities of a jnani. Start there and then you'll find the rest of the Gita sort of calls to you and pulls to you. It strikes me that pursuing these qualities, and as you said, we all have them, we need to polish them, we need to uh, make them better, become stronger within us. That pursuit is spiritual in itself, it seems. It gets you a long way just pursuing these knowledge, these uh, qualities individually. Yeah, that's a good point. Just each one, and that's exactly what makes you get there, because you cannot, don't necessarily have to work on all 20 at the same time. If you work on one, you've grown from zero to say one out of 20%. You work, and that makes it easier for you to get to the second one. Right. And that makes it easier for you to get to the third one. So Lou is right that you just have to keep working at it. And each one that you master makes it easier for you to get to the next one. So thank you, friends. Thank you for joining us. And I hope you will uh, see us in the next episode. Bye-bye.